today we continue our study through 1 Peter, and if you are looking on your bulletin or have your Bible with you, we're going to be at the beginning of chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. So I came across this uh, correspondence, this conversation, so uh, follow along. You, you uh, tech heads will love this. A desperate woman wrote, Dear Tech Support, Last year, I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0, and I noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall system performance, particularly in the flower and jewelry applications. In addition, husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5, and then installed undesirable programs such as Newspaper 5.0, TV News 3.0, and Hockey Game 4.1. Conversation 8.0 no longer runs. Please note that I have tried running Nagging 5.3 to fix these problems, but to no avail. What can I do? Signed, Desperate Woman. Dear Desperate Woman, First, keep in mind, Boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package, while Husband 1.0 is an older, more reliable operating system. Please enter command, I thought you loved me .html, and try to download Tears 6.2. And don't forget to install the Guilt 3.0 update. If those applications work as designed, Husband 1.0 should then automatically run the application's Jewelry 2.0 and Flowers 3.5. However, remember, overuse of the above applications can cause Husband 1.0 to default to Silence 2.5, Happy Hour 7.0, or Beer 6.1. Whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, install Mother-in-Law 1.0 it runs a virus in the background that will eventually seize control of all your system resources. In summary, Husband 1.0 is a decent program, but it does have limited memory and cannot learn new applications quickly. You might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. We recommend Cooking 3.0 and Hot Looks 7.7. Okay, that was silly. But notice something. The wife was unhappy, and she was given uh, several suggested solutions to her problem. Nagging 5.3, Tears 6.2, Guilt 3.0, and Hot Looks 7.7. You know what that sounds like to me? Manipulation 5.0. This uh, conversation, this, uh, as humorous as this make-believe conversation it was supposed to be, it does point out to a real difficulty in human relationships. Too many people in relationships today believe that they can or they need to control the relationship, uh, manipulate other people. So they will do everything they can to convince the other person or to make the other person or to get the other person 
to do uh, what they want them to do, and they will do so by uh, nagging, guilting, tricking, tempting, or browbeating them into it. There are too many marriages today where, where uh, each partner, both partners, or each partner will um, basically try to manipulate the other partner. They'll try to control the relationship. So whether it's the wife or the husband, one or both of them get into the habit of thinking that they need to control the relationship. And in our text, where Peter is very specifically dealing with husbands and wives, Peter says, don't do that. Don't try to control your spouse. You are servants of God. You are followers of Jesus. You have been giving the living hope of Easter. So you have a whole new reason to live differently. Now, you are going to live differently. You're going to live in a new way. You're going to live in a way that the world around you doesn't live anymore. You're going to deal with people like Jesus does. So last week, we heard, if just the verses before this, last week, we heard um, how we, as Christians, are to show the world what Christ is like. We are to show the world what Jesus is like. We are to show the world how we are different by submitting to government and to, it would be our masters, probably uh, today, our employers. And, and so here we have a, a third and maybe shocking, maybe shocking in some senses to some of you, way that we are going to show the world we are different. And that is by wives submitting to husbands. Uh, follow along, if you will. I'm going to read the first six verses. Wives in the same way. Now, in the same way is referring to those verses we had last week where it's talking about submitting to government, submitting to your master if you're a servant, submitting to your employer. So wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, our selfish, sinful nature doesn't usually like the word submit. We, we probably have difficulties with that word because I think maybe in our usage, in, our, um, in the culture around us, I think we think it's a forced thing. You know, we, we think of others forcing people to submit, and which is not at all what this is talking about. This is only something the wife can willingly give to her husband, submit. This isn't something he can demand from her. So I, I think uh, we, we, we have some difficulty, uh, our sinful, selfish nature has some difficulty with the word submit, um, nor do we really get excited about yielding to the authority of husbands any more than we probably do yielding to the authority of governments or uh, employers or anyone over us. But, but just as being disrespectful 
to governments or employers would make Christians look bad. So also wives not allowing their husbands to function as head will, make, will not show the world who Jesus really is. When, when, when wives do, do not allow their husbands to function as the, the function that God gave them, that, that, won't, that won't let this be an object lesson for showing the world what Jesus is really like and what his love is really like. But respectful, respectful Christian citizens and servants make Christ look good. And so do respectful and submissive, loving Christian wives. Now, some more explanation here, just so this doesn't get misunderstood. Men are not superior to women in God's world. They, they, they do not have greater worth, greater talents, greater gifts, greater intelligence, greater value. Men and women are absolutely equal in God's sight. Men and women are equal in status before God. Equally gifted. Equally loved. We are equal, absolutely. We do, however, have different roles. God has asked us to live out and fill out different roles. Men have a different God-given function within marriage, and that is to be head. As you study the book of Ephesians, you will hear that the husband is to be Christ for his family. That means loving them and sacrificing himself for them like Jesus did. Using greater uh, strength and authority and, and leadership to honor God and to provide for and protect his family. And a Christian man, Christian men are themselves submissive to Christ who is their head. And because they are submissive to Christ, that means they are submissive to all people, including they are submissive to their wife, meaning they are going to put her interests ahead of their own. So, Christian wives are to submit to their husband. A Christian wife is to submit to her husband, meaning... Willingly, she puts his interests ahead of her own. And she has nothing to be afraid of in doing this. She has nothing to fear in submitting to a man who himself submits to Christ as his head because that man is going to use his headship, he's going to use his authority not to serve himself and not to make demands, but to bless and serve his wife and children, to put them before himself the same way Jesus put us before himself. And, and, and so a wife has nothing to fear in submitting to a man who's going to submit to Christ and therefore put her first. But, and I think this is getting more to what Peter is addressing here, but what if a woman comes to faith in Jesus but her husband does not? So does the fact that he does not recognize Christ as his head mean that she doesn't have to recognize him as her head? And the answer here in, from Peter is no. No. If, if he is an unbeliever, then winning him over to Christ should be her first priority. Her number one priority. And that isn't going to happen 
when she withdraws from him or disrespects him or um, tries to manipulate or control him. I mean, what will happen then? She will, she will blame her Christianity on making their marriage miserable. But when she lives Jesus' way, treating him well, serving him, loving him, submitting to him, that is going to make Jesus look good. And he might one day come to faith in Jesus because of the way his wife has treated her. So one over to Christ, not by uh, manipulation, but by selfless submission. So wives, keep on sharing the word with your husbands. Share that word all you can. And even when that does not seem to be bearing fruit, continue to obey, to submit, to serve. Okay, Live a pure life so that your husband can see what Jesus is like. Because that will make a difference. Rebelling and retaliating and reacting and manipulating aren't going to help. And neither is the way that you outwardly adorn yourself to make yourself physically beautiful. See, that, that's how the society around us, that's what our society does to control. Oftentimes, women's, women will use their hot look 7.7 or their outward adornment to get their husband to do what they want him to do, to manipulate him or to control him. Verse 3 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Now, don't misunderstand this. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes and jewelry. Wear, wear it all you want. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. What this is saying is, don't let that be where your true beauty comes from. Don't let that be the thing you use to win your husband over or to get him to do what you want. Okay, those aren't the things to use for that purpose. I mean, we, we know this. For, women, have, women have always, and not just today, all the way to the beginning, women have always faced unhealthy and harmful pressure from society, from the world, to be beautiful, outwardly beautiful. And, and women get unfairly judged and valued and graded based on appearances. This text is saying you don't have to play that game. You, you don't have to live by those rules of society. You don't have to um, live that way. You don't have to play that game. Um, you only need to worry about the approval that actually matters. Whose approval actually matters? In, instead of dressing to compete for the attention of men or, to, or the approval of other women, Christian women should ask, what, what does God value? What, what matters to Him? Like the holy women of the past, women, those were women who had faith in God. And they cared first and foremost about what God thought. And so they didn't, they didn't let their insecurities about their own physical appearance, because they had those too, just like we do today, but they didn't let those, a woman who had this strong hope and faith in God didn't let those insecurities about their, um, their outward appearance 
make them feel miserable about themselves or drive them to, to fancy haircuts and makeup and jewelry and, and, and wearing certain kind of clothes in the hopes that that would make them somebody. What was it that made them holy? What, what is it that makes us holy? It's hope in God that makes us holy. That hope in God we talked about in the baptism this morning that covers us with the robe of righteousness. That makes us look perfect to God. And that is what's going to make us holy. And that is what's going to fill our lives with the hope uh, that we need. And that all comes through Jesus. True beauty comes from the inside. Now look at verse 4. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So true beauty comes from the new person. It's talking about the, the, the Christ person, that, that new creation inside that the Holy Spirit planted in your heart when He brought you to faith. That's where true beauty comes from. That uh, gentle and quiet spirit. So, not creating drama, but dealing with the drama that others create. That's, where, uh, that's what makes you look beautiful. Not creating drama, but dealing with the drama of others. So, whether your husband is Christian or not, whether he's romantic or not, win him over to Christ by acting like Christ. Not by manipulating him with your words, your actions, or your looks. And that may be challenging to all of us because um, we might be used to Maybe you are used to justifying your behavior toward your husband based on his behavior toward you. But see, spouses can't do that. Spouses can't justify our behavior toward our spouse based on their behavior toward us. You love them and serve them regardless the way Jesus did. So some of you women in here are are probably waiting for me to get to verse 7. When are we getting to verse 7? The men are getting off lightly here. Don't worry. Um, God says something just as challenging to husbands in verse 7. So, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, ties it right back to the way uh, we are to submit to government and submit to authority over it. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I guess now from the intern's um, children's message this morning, I, we'll have to go into the Greek. Weaker partner. The word there is vessel. That's where he got that from. The weaker vessel. Okay, we're, we're both vessels that have an equal purpose in, in God's great plan to carry out His work. Okay? Though we have, we're different in, we have different qualities about us, but equal. Okay? So that's the word now translated there partner so god has asked the husband to be the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church christian men tend to fail this in two main ways number one they use their authority selfishly selfishly to control to to abuse and to dominate that's not what God has intended. And, and the second thing is, they see their greater physical and, and maybe emotional strength as making them superior 
And so then they end up despising their wives as something they think are weaker than they are. See, just as, just as our society around us grades women on the basis of their beauty, our society grades men on basis of their strength. And so a strong man, a man who is strong but does not have Jesus in his life, will tend to not have a lot of respect for people that he considers to be weaker than he is. Or when you have a relationship with two people, without Christ in that relationship, the strong will always prey on the weak. God wants his men to think about the way they treat their women to be considerate of them, to see the, the male and female differences as something that, that God designed and therefore has purpose. Um, he wants them to be considerate. In other words, pay attention to your wife. You care. You, you're thoughtful. You love her. You know it's Mother's Day. You know it's her birthday. I mean, that's just basic things there. But you know when something's bothering her. And you don't just try to fix her problems. You, you, you listen to what actually is troubling her. Be gentle with her. As you would with someone weaker. Doesn't mean necessarily she's weaker than you. But you still be gentle with her as you would with someone weaker. Don't you dare. Don't you dare intimidate her with your size and strength. You use your size and strength to protect her. Don't force your way because you're bigger and stronger than she is. You, be, you handle and treat her gently. Husbands should use their size and their strength to serve their wives, to guard and protect their wives. And don't even, don't even be tempted, don't even be tempted to think of them as less important than you are. You honor them. You have to listen how seriously God is taking. God is so serious about this that he will refuse the prayers of any man who deals dishonorably with his wife. Basically, God is telling husbands, if you will not deal with your wife in an honorable way, if you will not show her honor, I will not show you honor. If you will not live with her in a considerate way, I will not live with you in a considerate way. If you will not hear her petition, I will not hear yours. So basically, I will receive you the same way that you received my daughter. Does that convict anyone here? Men? Convict anyone? Husbands, how are we doing at that? Are you being considerate? Do you honor her? Do you view her as your equal? And most importantly, are you giving your life for her? Not just to protect her body, but to protect her soul. Or are you being condescending, abusive, negligent? Um, 
heartless, thoughtless, careless. Some of you, maybe, it might seem for some of you that God just seems distant. Maybe you you come in here from time to time and you just wonder uh, why it seems so hard for you to draw near the Lord uh, when a lot of people around you are doing that. This text might be a good place to start looking for a reason. You might need to repent. Husbands, let's, we're going we're gonna to go, go here for both of you, husbands and wives. Remember this. Husbands, remember your wife is an heir with you of the gracious gift of life. Wives, remember your husband is an heir with you of the gracious gift of life. You are joint heirs of eternal life. You are joint heirs of the living hope of Easter. You are joint heirs of life. God sees you both equal. You are equal in status before God. You are equal in value before God. God loves you both equally. And God has forgiven you both equally because um, everyone in here, men and women, we have, we've failed in being what Peter is calling us to be here in these seven verses. We have failed as men and women, to show the world the way that Jesus loves the church in our relationships with each other. But here's the thing. God loves you both equally. God has forgiven you both equally. And God wants both of you equally to be in heaven, in life with Him forever. And and finally, we're going to get the first verse next week's text is going to be this, that we all that we all need to submit to one another. Men to women, women to men, all of us to one another because of that living hope we have through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And finally, what is the point of all this? What is the point of last week's text, this week's text, of God calling us to live differently in this world? What's the point of this? The point is this. It's winning others over to Christ by showing them who Jesus truly is. We win each other, husbands and wives, uh, neighbors, families. We win each other over to Christ by showing them who Jesus truly is and what that gospel message really means in our lives, in our words, and the way that we live our lives. Let me illustrate that. This happened at a GO train station. Uh, One morning, a police officer noticed that there was a woman driver leaning over the steering wheel in obvious discomfort. And so he walked up to her and said, is, 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 is anything wrong? And half crying and half laughing, she replied, for 10 years, I've been driving my husband to this station to catch that train. But this morning, I forgot him. <laughs> she got where she needed to go. But she forgot her husband. She left him behind. He was not going to get on that train. And he was not going to make it to his ultimate destination. Let's not leave our spouses behind. There, there was a man, another true story, there was a man named Lowell. He, he wasn't always a godly man. He wasn't a bad man. He was a man's man. Um, he, he could handle himself in any situation. He was a great basketball and baseball player. He could handle himself in any fight. So he figured, what do I need God for? And so he rarely uh, went to church and, and he didn't bother to pray. But his wife Martha did. 
She was a faithful Christian. Went to church all the time. But that made Lowell jealous. He didn't want to share his wife with God. So, so one day, um, he, he thought he would guilt her into backing off her faith a little bit. So he asked, Martha, would you really be happy in heaven if I were in hell? Oh, she, she knew exactly what he was asking and why he was asking it. And so she thought about it quickly, and then she replied, Well, Lowell, would you really be comfortable in hell if I were there with you? The simple answer absolutely stunned Lowell. He hadn't thought about it that way. One day, not long after that, he went to church. And on the way home, he just, he just broke down, uh, weeping uncontrollably. He came to faith in Jesus as a Savior. And then he became quite active in the, in the church, serving in the church. And when he died, he knew exactly where he was going. Martha had loved him into heaven. She didn't nag him, didn't guilt him, didn't argue with him, didn't try to manipulate or control him. She loved him into heaven. And that is the objective of every Christian husband and wife. To love their spouse into heaven. You don't want to leave your spouse behind. You want, you want them to join you in heaven. You want them to be there with you. You are joint heirs of eternal life. You are joint heirs of this living hope of the resurrection. You are joint heirs of life. And so your responsibility, your, what you do in your life, the most important thing you can do, especially today as husbands and wives, is to help each other get to that destination to protect each other, to strengthen each other, to support, to serve, to submit to each other, to keep pointing each other to Jesus so that you help each other get to that destination because that is your ultimate objective in life. Everything else will flow out of that. But as you, as you go home with your husband today or your wife today, remember that you are joint heirs of life with a purpose. With the goal, winning each other over, strengthening each other, and through, if you're already strong, then helping those around you receive that same strength that God has given you through the living hope of Easter, through Jesus' resurrection. And let's let that living hope, what God has done for us through Jesus, let's let that living hope make us holy. Let's let that living hope give us what we need to help our husband, to help our wife be who God has made them to be. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.